Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey, everyone, and thanks for downloading another weekly episode of the Money Girl Podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert and award-winning author who's been producing this show since 2008. This week, I have a terrific interview for you. Before we get started, I've got a quick request. If you've been enjoying the show, maybe you're brand new to the show or even a longtime listener, and you have not submitted a quick five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would love you to take a moment to do that. Your feedback is so important to me and to everyone on the Quick and Dirty Tips team. So I will thank you in advance for that. Also, you'll find the notes for each episode, plus the complete archive of podcasts. There's a brand new page that shows all of the podcasts. It's really handy. You'll find that in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. Today's show is for anyone who is a little confused about financial advisors. I know many of you are confused about whether you actually need a financial advisor or not. You may be confused about how to handle money, you know, what priority to handle certain things in your financial life, or maybe you're really lucky and you got a cash windfall, or maybe you just want to make sure that you are really on track to have a comfortable retirement. A financial advisor can help. But as I said, many people are confused about what type of advisor they need and if they're really worth it. While everyone's situation is different, and I will say not everyone needs a financial advisor, I do think that it's important just to be educated about the services that these professionals provide. Even if you don't need an advisor today, you're probably going to need one at some point in the future. So it's good to understand what the whole industry is about. I've used a variety of financial advisors when I was just starting out in my 20s and, and just starting to begin saving, my husband and I worked with a financial planner who was kind of a one-time person that would look at, your, look at your finances, look at your plan, and make recommendations. And that was really helpful to kind of get an overview. And it was something that wasn't that expensive. Later on, when we had more money to manage, we worked with a registered investment advisor who was more of a day-to-day manager. And now that we've got a large nest egg, we pretty much have everything on autopilot and handle it ourselves. But I could definitely see using a financial advisor at some point in the future 
when we're retired to make sure that those investments are being withdrawn at the right rate and that we're spending the right amount of money, et cetera. So to have a good conversation about advisors, I turned to a fellow podcaster who is also a former advisor to get some insider tips for you. So I interview Joe Salcihai, who is the creator and co-host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast. We discuss a lot of key points that you should know about working with an advisor. And as I mentioned, he was in the industry. He's a 15-year veteran, even though he's not an active advisor. But that time in the industry gave him a whole lot of knowledge. And so he's got many insightful and I think somewhat surprising tips to share with you in this podcast. Some of the things that we cover are what a financial advisor actually does for you. We talk about the different types of advisors and the types of fees that they charge. We cover who's a good candidate for working with an advisor. And Joe covers some really key questions that he thinks you should be asking any potential financial advisor, and I agree with those. We talk about what the reception area of an advisor's office could tell you about a potential advisor, kind of funny, and where to check the background of a financial advisor. That's really important. And Joe mentioned some of his favorite online sites to find a great advisor. And I created a free resource that will make it really easy for you when you're speaking with a potential financial professional. Um, It's a one-page download that I'll tell you more about and tell you how to get it at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. This is episode number 584 called, Are Financial Advisors Worth It? Insider Tips You Should Know. All right, on to the interview with Joe. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so happy I finally made it. This is a big moment in my career. Wow. Well, you know, hey, I I think uh, we all deserve a little pat on the back. We've been doing this for a while, and you are one of my favorite podcasters, so it's really nice to have you. Thank you so much. Obviously, it's the feelings mutual. I want to know a little bit about your background and how you got into financial advising in the first place and then how you got out of it. Great question and a very long story. But to keep it short, I was working in another industry, and I think this is still a problem with the industry, not as much now as it used to be back then, but but they would just recruit whoever had a pulse. Big companies like the one I worked for initially would do that. And so I had a friend that was working in another field. I had a friend who said to me, and I quote, he said, we usually don't hire people like you, but I think you'd be good at this. And so it's, it's, it's because I have a very much an engineering kind of mentality. And sure enough, my background wasn't in it. I had an English degree with an emphasis in creative writing. And I went to work for uh, a company that no longer exists. But at that time, it was all selling mutual funds and uh, life insurance. And as you can believe, I absolutely hated that. I thought it was horrible having people purchase things that they really may not need. But but here is is what I learned over my early years was that having a third party to talk to, just having somebody else who's not a member of your family is a big reason why I think a lot of my clients initially succeeded. And then later on, as I actually learned what I was talking about and knew something about financial planning, having somebody that really knows what 
may be best for your family, but isn't a member of your family is a great thing. In fact, there's a study that was done surprisingly by Vanguard that shows that the average person loses 3% who doesn't have a financial advisor. And you wouldn't expect that, of course, out of Vanguard, because a lot of people that do their own financial planning use Vanguard. And yet Vanguard says having that person who is not affiliated with your family is a big reason for your success. I actually got out of it at 40 because a friend of mine who was a mentor of mine was doing all kinds of crazy things. And one day he he sent a letter and in the financial uh, field, you usually don't send a letter. It's more like Jerry Maguire, where you take all of the client files and leave at midnight. He, he sent a letter to everybody saying he was leaving the business completely. And he said it was because he had other mountains to climb. And he ended up climbing Mount Everest twice, has climbed most of the major peaks around the world. And so at 40, I really gave it a long, hard look and said, you know what? I think I too have other mountains to climb. And so I sold my business and uh, pursued other things. Yeah, very interesting. So what advice would you give to somebody who's listening, who does want to be a financial planner? Like, what do you, what would be a good background? I mean, obviously, finance would be a, a good background to have in terms of formal education, but what advice would you give somebody who's thinking, well, I might want to do that as a career? I really like people that aren't in finance and don't have a background in finance, but are interested in it to pursue the career because I think it gives you some empathy. And not to say that my friends that have finance degrees are horrible. I think they're also great, but they they can get caught up in the jargon. And me being a guy that had a completely different background, I was able to come at financial planning from the same place my clients came to it from, which was, I didn't know what any of these terms mean meant. I didn't know what a mutual fund was. I didn't know what an exchange traded fund was. I didn't know about a 1031 exchange, a rule 72T or any of the technical stuff. And so the ability to have empathy and to translate some of the jargon to people, I think is huge. I really like what firms are doing now. There uh, was a piece re- recently, I believe it was in at uh, financialplanning.com, if I'm not mistaken, where they were talking about financial planning residency programs, much like a, a medical professional will go into residency. Now working with an older experienced advisor to see how financial planning works from the inside out, I think is a great way to start. So I would encourage people to go find a seasoned advisor that you have a lot of respect for who might be looking for somebody young to do some of the behind the scenes things, the financial planning, technical stuff, and then uh, learn what it's all about that way. Yeah, it's a great, great way to get into it. So what does a financial advisor actually do on a day-to-day basis? You know, it depends because so many people can call themselves a financial advisor, but a financial advisor like I was uh, starts off building financial plans with their clients where they look at everything. I I saw myself, Laura, I saw myself as uh, someone's money coach or as their agent. So my client is a rock star or they're a, a sports professional and I'm their agent. So my job is to make sure, number one, every day they're not stepping in something and they're not making mistakes. But then number two is to build a financial plan based on where they want to go. Stephen Covey in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People talks about starting with the end in mind and then working backwards. So if you were my client, I'd ask what your goals were and we'd 
go over that and make sure that we had the real goals because people seem to have these goals that are that are are things that we think we should be saving for. So I'd use what I call the deli approach and people can use this without a financial advisor. Keep asking yourself the thing that the person at the deli asks after you get your, you know, you get your cheese. What do they say? They say, what else? What else? So write down a goal and then say, what else? And what else? And a good friend of mine who is a great financial advisor said, usually the third or fourth thing is what they really want. And so get those all in writing, find out what they cost, work back to today. What do you need to do today to reach those goals? And then set yourself milestones. So I would build plans with milestones. And then I would help my clients then take their assets and put them in the right place to get them. We would look at their budget to see if they could afford to get those goals. And if not, we'd either change the goal or we'd work on their expenses and how they spend money. And then we'd put together a risk management strategy. And I like a risk management strategy better than buying insurance because I think it's broader than buying insurance. I think if you start off with what can go wrong and how would I protect against that, maybe it includes insurance. Maybe it means having a bigger emergency fund. So I would help people build those things and then maintain them as, you know, their world changed. And of course, the financial markets changed over time. So what are the different types of advisors out there that people might stumble upon? Good. Really, there's three different types. There is a fee-only advisor who will charge you a fee for service. And I I tend to like, now I tend to like um, hourly fee advisors. There are some advisors that charge a set fee, but it's based on assets. And I think especially if somebody is, hasn't built yet their nest egg, an hourly fee advisor really is more of what you want. And frankly, the asset-based advisors really don't, don't want you. But those are fee-only. That's number one. Number two is a fee and commission or commission where they'll charge a fee for service, but they might get commissions on products or services that they recommend. And then the third type of advisor is a commission only advisor where they get paid when you buy. Now, studies have have shown all three of these have upsides and downsides. In the media, we like to talk about fee only as the best way, and it is my favorite way. But commission only advisors, I think, are interesting in a different way, which is they're going to make sure that you do something. And the frustrating thing for me is that a lot of time people will get great advice. They know what the right thing is to do and they just don't do anything. So from that aspect, uh, uh, commission advisors can be okay. I I tend to like fee only advisors myself, um, Uh, much better because I like knowing how I'm paid and I also don't want to get trapped into products that may or may not be the best for me, which is why my favorite type of advisor also is an advisor who's a fiduciary. And you want to ask an advisor if they're fiduciary and make them prove it that they have it in writing. Uh, A fiduciary, somebody that has to advise you in your best interest. They have to know in their heart that what they're advising you to do is in your best interest. Somebody who's not a fiduciary also has rules, but those are called suitability rules where, yeah, it doesn't do harm, but it might not be the best thing. And I don't like that nearly as much. So if somebody is listening and they're thinking, well, gosh, I just have a 401k at work. I don't really have anything else. Would you say that that person should have a financial advisor or planner? How can they kind of tap into that that world of advice? I would have 
a third party. I'm going to widen it a little bit. I would have a, a third party, somebody who's not related to me, who's unemotional about my goal, who I talk to about my money. Because just having that smart person in your corner that goes, you know what? You could do this better, I think is hugely important. But especially for that person, you want to make sure the advisor you get, if you hire a financial advisor, is going to be somebody who works with people like you. So a key question to ask is, do you work with people like, like me and asset based advisors aren't going to want to work with that person, but a fee only advisor who helps people set up a budget so they can save more into their 401k, who will look through all of the open enrollment choices at work, which disability should I choose? Which health insurance should I choose? Should I buy life insurance through work or not? All of those questions help me maybe find an attorney to get a will or help me get my will done online or whatever it might be looks at my expenses and my subscriptions and maybe tightens things. Sure. That person should have an advisor, but you need to be careful that it's the right one. Um, and not only would I, by the way, may ask that question, do you work with people like me? There are also some places to check advisors records. Advisors by and large are licensed through two different places, the securities and exchange commission and a group called FINRA. FINRA is like the sheriff when it comes to financial advisors. And if you go to fit the FINRA website, there's a place called Broker Check, and you can look them up and you can look at their record to see if there have been any complaints against them. And those go on their permanent record and you want to check that too. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin-D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin-D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin-D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin-D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. 
A lot of people will ask me, well, where do I find an advisor? You know, it's it's a tough question to answer because there's certainly, you know, different advisors that are right for different people. And some people like to see their, their person face-to-face. Others are fine, you know, g- using them remotely. How do you answer that question? How do you find the best advisor for me? It is so hard and so individual. You're right. There's It's a tough question. Uh, the first thing I like to do when I was a financial advisor, I worked very well with friends of my current clients because they were more people that were kind of like the people I already worked with. So if you know somebody who is very good with money, I would use that as your first stop. Now, I wouldn't necessarily hire that person, but I would ask that person who they work with and ask them some questions about how they work. We already went over all the different types of advisors. But beyond that, there are places online that you can go. I like the XY Planning Network, as an example, is is one of a few planning networks that I really like. These are fee-only advisors around the United States who work in a holistic manner. I like that network. Uh, there's a service called Guidevine, which is uh, kind of a fintech-y product where if you go on Guidevine, you can watch videos from different advisors and you can read their bio. So it's almost like you, you can, you can uh, preview them before you even have a meeting, which I think is really cool too, because that first meeting can be a little unnerving. When you became a financial planner, what is something that really shocked you about the business or something that you thought, wow, only insiders know this about this industry? Yeah, I'll give you two things. Number one was, I was surprised. Now, this is a long time ago, but these people still exist. I was surprised how much my original company I was with was really pushing me to sell permanent life insurance and to sell annuities and to sell mutual funds that had really high fees. And there were some significant incentives. Man, I could win some awesome trips. And they I definitely wasn't a fiduciary and I definitely wasn't doing what was in my client's best interest. And because I was brand new, I didn't realize that. All I read was the sales stuff that we had. So as I became more savvy and got what I was doing, that was that was surprising. Uh, th- those people still exist today. The second thing was that I didn't know was you can tell a lot about the financial advisor just by the reception area. If you walk into a reception into a reception area and the re- person at the reception desk is not very nice or there's CNBC or Fox Business or a lot of stuff about trading, you know you probably have more of an asset manager who's interested in trading, not a holistic advisor. If the receptionist isn't happy in their job, I used to work in several different offices, and I found that in every office where the receptionist wasn't happy, it's because their boss was kind of a jerk, <laughs> and they were, and they weren't the most fun person to work with, and their clients really didn't work, uh, didn't like working with them. So I would these little these little clues that might seem like nothing, like those, give you a good idea about who that advisor might be when you go meet with them. Yeah, very true. Now that being said, do you think that people should go for a face to face meeting? How do you feel about having a room? relationship with your advisor? You know, I think with technology, things have changed so much. I still like face-to-face, like a Skype video call or a, or a, a, a Google chat or whatever it might be. Nothing beats face-to-face. 
but you can now do it remotely. So you're not stuck in the town you know, I used to live in Texarkana, which had 60,000 people in it. Not a, not a, not a big city, but really today I could work with anybody in the United States who's a great advisor for me and not have to worry about it that much. So yeah, if you're comfortable with technology, I love using technology to kind of widen the playing field of who I choose. Now, I know you're not an advisor anymore, but if you could change anything about the industry, what would it be? Boy, you know, I really like these uh, fiduciary rules that they were trying to pass uh, recently. And it's it's sad that that got very political uh, because I don't think it is political. And I, I find it sad that many of the big companies immediately started saying, hey, these fidu- fiduciary rules, these are great. We're going to change everything to follow the standard. But then the second that they decided to uh, take the teeth out of it, these same companies went, well, remember how we said this was going to be a great idea? <laughs> we're going to go back to the old way. Yeah, the whole fiduciary standard, I think, is something that's coming and I'd like to see it come quickly, but I know it's going to take a while. You know what, though, Laura, we don't need a law to do the right thing. If we know what a fiduciary is, we can just ask that of our advisor to make sure that advisors we work with are fiduciaries. Uh, Don't wait for the law to be passed to, to put that in your corner. Yeah, I agree. Making sure you've got a fiduciary and somebody that maybe was recommended to you. You know, those in combination should be at least a, a, an entree to, to work with somebody. And you know what? If you don't like them and you find out that you're just not meant to work together for whatever reason, you can always change, right? I mean, it's it's not like it's not like you're married to that person. Absolutely. And can I give you a great question to ask a financial advisor when you meet with them? I would ask a financial advisor, what questions would you ask if you were me? And I know that that's going to get you a little bit of a sales pitch, but I'll tell you, if you interview three different financial advisors, they will tell you some questions you might not have even thought of. And I think that that uh, that's a great wide open question to ask that will make you a little more savvy about what this person thinks about the world and um, and how they view the the interview process in the first place. Yeah. So, Joe, you got out of advising. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and what you're excited about. Well, I wanted to be like you, so I became a podcaster. It was kind of a long, long, circuitous route to get there, but uh, I have a podcast called The Stacking Benjamin Show, which is a very, very light show. We like to kind of be the first word in personal finance instead of the last word, and the show is kind of a circus. Um, we have a lot of different people on. We have a lot of fun, and we do it three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah, you guys have a great show, so kudos for that. And uh, anything else exciting coming up? We are going to be talking a lot on another show we do called Money in the Morning, where we kind of define what all these headlines are about. Um, We're going to be talking about this scandal, this horrible college entrance scandal that's uh, rocked the world lately. So I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, I'm sad that it happened. Um, but, but what we're going to talk about that and see how that maybe changes your plan for putting together your college experience for you or your children. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can folks find you? You can go to stackybedjamins.com. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joe. He's such a great guy. No matter what kind of advisor you may need, 
I recommend that you interview at least three before hiring one. And if you're married or you've got a partner who shares your financial goals, make sure that you both participate in this process. That's so important. As we mentioned, there's no rule that you've got to work with an advisor in your area. As I've moved around the country, I've worked remotely with different types of financial professionals. And it's worked really well for me, so I I wouldn't rule that out. When you start this process, you want to be ready to lead the conversation with kind of like interview questions that get the potential advisor talking openly about themselves, their current clients, and how they prefer to work. As I mentioned, I created a tool for you. It's got 10 essential questions that you need to ask before hiring an advisor. Think of it like a cheat sheet, and it's got a place for you to write down their responses and the information so that you can easily compare multiple advisors and figure out who is the best match for you. It's called the Financial Advisor Assessment Tool. Here's how to get it. Just text the word advice. A-D-V-I-C-E to the number 33444. Again, text ADVICE to the number 33444, and you can download this right away. You can also get this tool by downloading it from the freebie section at lauradadams.com. Thanks so much for downloading the show. Keep listening, learning, and leveraging your resources to grow richer every single day. And one more thing, if you'd like to get a weekly update from me, please visit lauradadams.com or text get updates to that same number I mentioned, 33444. If you've got a money question, feedback about the show, or ideas for future episodes, I would love to hear from you. You can leave a voicemail message at 302-364-0308. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickyberg with editorial support from the lovely Biana Santora. If you've been enjoying the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.